Future Sense is a podcast edited from the radio show of the same name, broadcast on Bay FM in Byron Bay, Australia at bayfm.org. Hosted by Nick Jeans and well-known international futurist Steve McDonald, Future Sense provides a fresh, deep analysis of global trends and emergent technologies. How can we identify the layers of growth, personally, socially, and globally? What are the signs missed, the truths being denied? Science, history, politics, psychology, ancient civilizations, alien contact, the new psychedelic revolution, cryptocurrency, and other disruptive and distributed technologies, and much more. This is Future Sense. Mia Armitage with a special COVID-19 Northern Rivers news update for Monday 16th of March. In lieu of today's usual bulletin, I bring you an interview with Northern Rivers GP and clinical advisor to the primary North Coast Health District, Dr Dan Ewald. So in the land of general practice, there are some new changes. The biggest one is that there's a change to the Medicare system so that your GP can do a formal consult with you over the phone or over a video connection if they have that set up uh, and Medicare will pay for it. It'll be a bulk build consultation and after that the GP may well can arrange for testing or prescriptions or referrals and that's available to a wide range of people people that have got any kind of chronic illness and are an established patient at the practice or anyone who is in isolation because of concerns around coronavirus. So check in with your practice. They'll run through a series of questions to see if they're able to use the new telehealth consultation item numbers to help you with your concern. What do we know about community transmission at this stage and the sorts of symptoms that people should be looking out for when it comes to the pandemic? We should assume that there's the new coronavirus out there in the community. Whether it's uh, turned up in a test or not, we should be running on the assumption that it's out there. At the moment in our area, if you get a cough or a cold, you can't tell clinically if it's coronavirus or some other kind of a virus causing your cough or cold or flu-like symptoms. The severity of the symptoms doesn't tell you what you've got. But as the epidemic spreads, the likelihood that it's the new virus will become more and more. We should be assuming that it could be, and it's this early phase of the epidemic, that we really need to be working very hard to take our responsibility for the health of the community to isolate ourselves if we've got any kind of a cold, so we're not spreading it around. Now, you've mentioned cough and cold. What are some of the other symptoms that we should be aware of? Some people have been found to have coronavirus when it was really fever and gut symptoms. So, unfortunately, it doesn't always have to be respiratory, upper respiratory tract symptoms, but the main symptoms are some of those common upper respiratory tract infection symptoms, cough, cold, or more severe flu-like or pneumonia-like symptoms. Most of us will get mild symptoms. 
We've heard that we're most contagious when we're actually uh, spreading these germs through, say, coughing, sneezing or through a sniffle. But I've also read reports that we could be contagious for a period of at least 24 hours before we start to show symptoms and I'm not sure how long after we show symptoms. What more can you tell us about that? That's part of what makes this particular epidemic really hard to deal with. And we know from examples early on in the epidemic where it was possible to really track who was the index case, that there can be transmission before a person is symptomatic. So that means the main strategy we have around the world to contain this is social isolation. We don't know exactly how long after symptoms a person might be spreading the virus. We don't know exactly how long before they get symptoms a person could be spreading a virus. It'd be a pretty safe bet to say that the main time you'd be spreading a virus is when you'd have the symptoms of the sneezing and the, and the coughing and the sniffling. When it comes to testing for COVID-19, we know that we've got limited capability of testing in Australia and it seems that there is strict criteria for the people who will get tested. Could you uh, enlighten us a bit further on, on the situation when it comes to testing here in Australia? Yeah, it would be great if we had unlimited amounts of testing abilities, uh, but unfortunately there's a limit to how fast the labs can gear up to do more and more. We don't want to overwhelm them. So the guidelines from the Commonwealth are you get tested if you're a contact of a known proven case, which is not the same thing as being in contact with someone who has a cold. And you get tested if you've got symptoms and you've come off an international flight in the past 14 days. When you're talking to your doctor and if there's any other reason that they're particularly suspicious, then they still can order a, order a test. If they're particularly suspicious that you might but, have it. Yes, there is capacity for a certain amount of clinical leeway in that. Quite a lot of people are wanting a test for clearance. They're wanting a test to show that they know longer or that yeah, they're okay to go back to work and that's not an appropriate use of the test. Now I've seen rumours circulating on social media that people who want to have a test and don't fit the criteria are being um, asked to pay $600. Is that true? I think that's unlikely to be true. The government's gone to some lengths to ensure that cost is not a barrier to getting appropriate testing done. The main barrier about appropriate testing will be whether it's a sensible test to do in the first place, not whether, not who's going to pay for it. Given that the testing is limited here in Australia, how are we ever going to know how many cases we actually, actually have in the country? We have to run with the assumption that we'll never know exactly how many cases there are. And even if we had twice as much testing capacity, we still wouldn't know exactly how many cases there are, partly because a lot of cases are so mild in the symptoms or even no symptoms at all that they never would have presented for testing. The testing isn't perfect. The testing may be negative even though the person has developed symptoms from coronavirus. We have heard reports that symptoms are not very severe in children. Now, if your child presents with a cold or a mild cough, should you be keeping your child home from school and away from grandparents? Yes, anyone who's got those common upper respiratory tract infection symptoms should be staying out of circulation in the community. They should be isolating until they're well. They don't have to have a test to say that they're well. And what does that then mean for the caregivers of those children? Say, say the parents, uh, if they're having to stay at home to care for a child with a cold, 
should that parent then be self-isolating too? If the parent gets symptoms, yes. Dr Eagle, thank you very much for making time for Bay FM. Is there anything else about this pandemic that you think our listeners need to know about? Yes, I think it's, it's a time to, to think about looking after ourselves as a community. We need to look after people who will be suffering from being too anxious, suffering from being too isolated, too lonely. We just need to check in on our friends and neighbours, check are they okay, and we need to fight problematic rumours. There'll be stories of bizarre stuff and always do some fact-checking. Look at the New South Wales Health website and the Commonwealth Department of Health websites. They've got fact sheets for the community and fact sheets for clinicians and they're doing a pretty good job of keeping them up to date. Bay FM 99.9. Yes, some excellent information then. Thanks to me, Amitaj, for that report this morning with uh, the doctor there and uh, yeah, some good stuff there and clearly if there are any symptoms uh, basically better to be much much safer than you would perhaps normally be and with a sniffle or a sneeze uh, then uh, yeah just to be safe absolutely true that's just about it for the show thanks for joining us this morning on a strange show and a strange day and a strange time and a strange place and it's probably going to go on from here a couple other things about uh, covid just to wear you out just a bit more uh, I noticed this morning in The Guardian that French authorities have warned that widely used over-the-counter anti-inflammatory drugs may worsen the coronavirus. The country's health minister, Olivier Verin, who is a qualified doctor and neurologist, tweeted on Saturday that the taking of anti-inflammatories like ibuprofen, cortisone and the like could be a factor in aggravating the infection. In case of fever, take par- paracetamol. If you are uh, already taking anti-inflammatory drugs, ask your doctor's advice. Now, health officials point out that anti-inflammatory drugs are known to be a risk for those with infectious illnesses because they tend to diminish the response of the body's immune system. You may have also heard, and I think it's uh, this is a fact, uh, that the virus is not heat resistant and will be killed by a temperature of just 26 to 27 degrees, and it hates the sun. Thus, there's been a lot of recommendations to uh, up your vitamin D intake to about 2,000 IU a day. If you don't feel like you're getting enough sun or you are vitamin D deficient, I think that's good advice. Vitamin C, three grams a day, that's a lot. That's also good advice. I think there's no nothing wrong with taking a lot of vitamin C. It doesn't hurt you, apparently. And there's such a thing as uh, andrographis, uh, which is a bitter-tasting herb rich in compounds known as andrographolides. These compounds are thought to have anti-inflammatory, antiviral and antioxidant properties. And also minerals such as magnesium, zinc and selenium are also very valuable at uh, keeping the immune system as healthy as possible. But you probably know much of this already. We mentioned some of these things earlier. Uh, Zinc lozenges apparently have been shown by uh, a, a professor whose name I don't have in front of me right now last week I mentioned who worked on coronaviruses in the 1970s and he says simple zinc lozenges over the chemists uh, if you suck them and you get any sort of tickle or anything at all can uh, kill the virus itself so any of these things and all of these things are probably useful things that you feel right about yourself Um, and also if you haven't seen what is actually one of the most informative even though it's comedic it's also very uh, very real and it's not shirking the responsibility is that the piece from the juice media if you haven't seen juice media videos <laughs> check them out um on the coronavirus because uh, as i said it's it's a good laugh uh, and at the same time uh, it uh, gives uh, actually pretty decent information the juice media and uh, just check that out you'll, you'll you'll be able to find 
that if you don't know where it is. Thanks for joining me. And uh, keep breathing, keep staying alive. You are. And keep supporting each other from afar or close by as long as you know exactly what you're doing. And uh, we trust that you do. I trust that you do. Be sensible. Thanks for joining us. You've been listening to Future Sense, a podcast edited from the radio show of the same name broadcast on Bay FM in Byron Bay, Australia at bayfm.org. Future Sense is available on iTunes and SoundCloud. The future is here now. It's just not evenly distributed.